This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another episode of Grow Your Life and this uh, episode type of inspirational people. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today we're with my friend, Nick Bryant. Nick, say hello. Hello. Um, now, is it, I don't know that I know this, is it Nick or Nicholas? And Nick Nicholas is the okay. official, but I've been Nick okay. as long as cool. I can remember. I don't think I've ever been Nicholas. The family <laughs> friends, you know. Well, we originally met through the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce. Um, there was a, a weekly event we both attended called Networking Gwinnett on Friday mornings, and sometimes if we were brave enough, Thursday mornings really early. Um, and so we got to see each other weekly or whenever we would attend. Um, you founded a company in April 1st, 2006, uh, which you call uh, your, your April Fool's joke for yourself. Yep, <laughs> that <yep>. never ended. <laughs> yep, still going. Uh, so that was over 14 years ago. You're still running. Your company, um, also named after you, Nick Print. Um, is uh, it prints everything or almost everything except for money. Um, and you've got to focus not just on printing, but on printing uh, pieces that are direct mailed. So you do a, a large amount of direct mail volume and, uh, and you work with small to medium-sized businesses. So we've known each other over the years. And from that point, uh, we also connected over our respective stories when I shut down my company and, and you told me more about your story and, and you were also involved in an interesting book project. Um, so, you know, tell us about you and, and your story and, and, okay. uh, anything I might've missed. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's kind of, you know, two stories, but they dovetail. There's, you know, my business life story and then my personal life story, but, uh, but they, they connect and intersect and go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Florida, uh, central Florida, Crystal River, a town north of Tampa, about an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, and then when I graduated high school, thought I wanted to go to Bible college. I did, did go to Bible college, thought I wanted to be a minister. Yeah. Uh, by the time Where did you I'm, go to Bible college? Uh, Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, tiny little school. Okay. And never tiny heard school. of it, but yeah. Yeah. You, most people will not have. <laughs> yeah. Those that went there, if they ever see it, they'll know, but uh, yeah. no one else will know. Uh, but by the time I was done, I knew that I didn't want to be a minister, but yet, you know, I've got this Bible degree. So you know, <laughs> what do you do with there. it? Yeah. And when you're halfway through a Bible degree, if you switch to something else, you're going to just extend your college life another year or two so mm. might as well just finish what i'm on and, and see what i can do so yeah um, moved to indiana after college uh with a group of friends from college believers uh, to be a part of a, of a church in indiana yeah um, but it was really during my college years uh was reading a book um you know people say that you know very few books actually change their lives some some kind of inspire you or whatever mm -hmm. But there was a book that actually changed the course of my life, and it was called Revolution, the Early Church. And mm -hmm. It just painted a completely different picture of Christianity than I'd grown yeah. up in. I was having and, and, some disillusionment at the time anyway, and that just and it sort answered of put it. Yeah. feet on. Yeah. So, so real quickly, how, how, what was your perception of Christianity, and then what did the book say that had it? What's the show us? Tell us the contrast between those yeah. two. Yeah. Well. For the last 1700 years, most Christianity is a group of believers with some set of beliefs that gather weekly, sometimes twice a week, hear a sermon, sing together, there's some prayers, and they go home. Yeah. The, the level of relationship between people um, is minimal uh, in most places and marginal in others. So yeah. 
uh, and the picture painted in, in this wasn't an attendance-based thing, it was a relationship-based of lives that are connected on a grassroots level, you know, seven days a week, not, not committed to a time slot, but committed to each other. And it was yeah. just a completely different perception or, or picture of, of church really as it's practiced all over the planet. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, um, so yeah, continue on with your story. I, I interrupted you. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So as far as work, I had, you know, several corporate type jobs, I worked for AT&T for a while and bank one mortgage, um, Primus Automotive, which is a division of Ford Motor Credit, uh, but also a serial entrepreneur. I had a carpet cleaning company for five years, started okay. a vending machine company that I ran at the same time as a carpet cleaning company. Yeah. I had a tutoring company for three years. Was this was the all tutoring, in Indiana? All in Indiana. Yeah. Was shutting the tutoring company down uh, at the same time I was buying a house. Okay. <laughs> well, if you shut a company down that you own while you're buying a house, to the bank you look unemployed, which uh, you technically yeah. are. <laughs> so I had a friend that worked at a printing company. He said, hey, we just lost a customer service rep. You want to come here? So, you know, I didn't necessarily view it as a long-term move. Yeah. I just went there because I was buying a house and needed a, yeah. you know, W-2 statement. Needed a, a, a now, were you check. single at the time? No, I was married. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I had, yeah, I would have had a, a child or two by then. Okay. Um, but that was 25 years ago or so. Yeah. Um, so went to work at a printing company. I've been in, been in printing ever since. About, uh, again, 14 years ago, I guess. Um, I was about to take a job with another printing company uh, because I was running, because I networked for my business, Chambers of Commerce, that type of thing. I was running into opportunities that weren't a good fit for my current, for the current printer. Uh, but, and he said, how about you just broker the things you want to do somewhere that don't fit us, print, still bring us everything that does fit us and launch your own business. So they launched me in business within 24 hours. I didn't go to work for the other printing company. He, they picked the name Nick Printing. I didn't even pick it. Yeah. I had a logo by the end of the day. How's this? I said, it's fine. So for the first year and a half, my office was in their building still. And so I would wear the, you know, the printing yeah. hat for their company when I dealt with house <laughs> accounts. And, you know, as I went out networking, you know, I would you build my it. own book, book of business gradually. So without that, I'm not sure I could have ever got started, you know, just brand new with a family with no book of business yeah. and, you know, get started. So that they just allowed me to transition and it was, it was. Yeah, that was, awesome. that's a pretty uh, generous way yeah. to do it. So for sure. Yeah. And, and that, I guess. He's retired now, the owner of that company, but uh, okay, yeah, he's a fun so, story all by himself. But. Yeah, well, what what was it that you went from serial entrepreneur to kind of picking one focus and just sticking with it? Yeah, well, I'd had 11 years uh, in business and printing, five of that in sales. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I kind of knew the business and it sort of fit me. Like carpet cleaning, which I did for five years, is great. But, you know, as a 50-year-old, do you want to be lugging equipment up and down stairs, moving heavy furniture, you know, as a 20 year old, it's great. Or 25 year old as a 50 year old, 60 year old, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't age well <laughs> yeah. unless you've got a fleet of, of people. So printing sales, printing management, uh, yeah, age as well, though boxes of paper are heavy too. So I haven't got away <laughs> from the lifting, but uh. yeah, yeah. That's funny. So, so let's kind of take a step back. You know, it's, we're six months into a pandemic um, it's hit businesses and people in a variety of ways. You know, there's the health aspect, the economic, there's the social unrest that's, that's come out and issues in our society. You know, how are you looking at this and, and how would you advise us to, to frame it and to, to engage with it? 
Yeah, I, there's kind of two different hats you can look at it with. One is just the business hat. And yeah. from a strictly business point of view, uh, you know, I'd recommend people stay cash heavy, you know, don't, don't yeah. overextend yourself, you know, debt wise or whatever, because the, the future is very uncertain still. Uh, and then take advantage of the verticals that are doing well. For us, it's been real estate and technology that have, that have still been strong during the pandemic. So we do a lot of printing for those groups. Um, on the personal side, you know, my, it's my conviction that Jesus holds everything together yeah, uh, and that things fall apart kind of when he decides to let go a little bit. So mm -hmm. just to kind of let people see, you know, who they are on their own. And I yeah. think that's kind of been happening for the last six months. I don't think the pandemic's an accident. You know, God doesn't have yeah. accidents. Uh, and the chaos that's ensuing, both on the right and on the left, the panic, the fear, the overreactions, it's all part of, I think, God's effort to get our attention. And that'll mm -hmm. You know, that'll uh, work for some people and it won't work for other people. But uh, there's a verse that says, um, I think it may be Matthew 24, uh, that uh, ethnic group will fight against ethnic group mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the gospel of the kingdom. So it's usually translated nations, but it's mm -hmm. actually ethnos, which is ethnic group. So Jesus prophesied 2000 years ago that racial tension was a sign yeah. of, the, of the end times. But the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of Jesus, but the kingdom, the relationship piece would go into every nation and then the end would come. So okay. I, I and think so, a lot of it's preparatory to, <laughs> to the yeah. end of the age, really. Yeah. Well, and, and even if it's not the, the end of the age, it, it could be yeah. a, a end of a season in our age, right? So yeah. And I heard what, a guy say once, this may not be the last generation, but it's my last generation. Yeah, yeah. We all, I don't we have all, one after this. <laughs> my, <laughs> my end times will come because I will yeah. die, right? <laughs> so exactly. And nations fall and, and rise all the, you know, throughout history. So exactly. But I guess, uh, you know, thinking of that, you know, what comes to my mind is the idea of this, the concept of standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so often we can uh, take that for granted that our success or our flourishing or our health or whatever it might be, even, even just our mental acuity, you know, <laughs> just be able to yeah. think straight, um, is dependent on so many complex things underneath that, that um, you take those away and uh and things get dicey so um so i definitely uh agree with you in terms of i think this is a season for us to to um to recognize our dependencies and also um the source of them as well as appreciation of them and it also is an opportunity to identify cracks and and broken areas that that do need to yep. be addressed so um so i guess on that note you know this you know one of the things that i think about and talk about and write about on my side is this idea of living better, working smarter. And so when you think about living better, what does that mean for you? Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to conceptualize living better without, without that meaning relationships on some level, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's business relationships or personal, you know, yeah. spiritual relationships, but authentic, real relationships, not just ships passing in the night, but there's some sort of connection between people. And living better, and so how would, that's, that's getting better. So. so how would you differentiate a ship's passing in the night relationship versus a deeper connection? Yeah. Uh, the ability to be honest and straight with each other. Like if you're spending much time with anybody on a regular basis, they're going to yeah. see your words and you're going to see theirs. And you'll either just live as ostriches with your head in the sand, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, or you'll <laughs> talk about things. You know, hey, when you mm -hmm. just said that to your wife, you seemed a little 
tense. Is everything okay? And it's yeah. those sorts of things. Again, not on the business side necessarily, but on the on the brotherhood side. Um, business side, you can get into that some, but uh, not you know not as much. You don't have that kind of invitation. Uh, but just being authentic and real, and those sort yeah. of relationships is what church is. And if you don't have those, you know, I call attending a place without relationships like that simultaneous aloneness. Mm-hmm. You're there. There's a big crowd of people there, but you're alone and they're alone listening to something, singing together and going back home. So it's breaking yeah. that simultaneous aloneness to say, hey, let's go have lunch. You know, hey, let's go to the park, yeah. hey, whatever. So what's, what is it that, let's say someone is in that simultaneous aloneness. What, what do you think's driving that? And what would you encourage them to do differently to break that, that yeah, facade? I think most people have never had much beyond that and don't know that there's much beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's kind of it's a like, famine in hearing the word. They just don't know that life can have more meaning than it, mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. You know, like Jesus appeared on the scene the first time and had those 12 guys he hung out with for three years. He was modeling something that hadn't been on earth before. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, con- so that contrast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I think about, you know, just having that type of experience growing up when I moved to Atlanta and I faced my own chaos and, and troubles, it was the contrast of what I had experienced before that was so great to the contrast of the chaos that I was now in mm-hmm. and going, well, there, there is a better option. And so I think yeah. about like the, the prodigal son, right? He, he left home and took his inheritance and then he kind of ended up eating uh, mm-hmm. alongside pigs and, yeah. and prof. So he's, but because of the experience he had with his father when he was younger, he knew exactly. there was a better option. He had a memory of what, what of a different kind of life, and most people don't have that memory. But they, they yearn for it in little ways, like even things like Mayberry reruns, even though that's mm. not a picture of real. Um, yeah, like nostalgia generally. Christianity, but it, some of it's nostalgia, but some of it I think is isn't the belonging for it is just a, a grasping after something that's more than a technology driven world that's devoid of relationship where, you know, front porches or, you know, you're meeting your neighbors, you're saying hi, there's, there's interaction with the advent of refrigerators and the automobiles. People just drive into their homes, garage door goes down and it's just their nuclear family till they go back to work. Then they yeah. work there for 30 years, get a watch, a pat on the back. And after their work life, that's, that's gone. Mm-hmm. The relationships usually don't exist much past your final day there and your box of stuff you take home. Yeah, even though it took place over a long period of time. Yeah. It and never it was went. daily. It wasn't just a, you know, mm-hmm. once a week for a speech. Even that doesn't have much staying power to it. Yeah. And I guess what is, if someone doesn't have that vision, they don't have that experience, they don't have that memory, um, what does it do to a person? Um, you know, what is it Thoreau that said most men leave lives of quiet desperation? I think that's, mm. that's what society looks like. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and they don't know any better. Part of the reason I worked on that book project we talked about, which is a book called The Day of Small Beginnings, was to try to paint a picture for people of something beyond sitting in a pew hearing a speech once a week. What can relationships look like? What did it look like then? What can it look like now? So we use kind of a fictional story, sort of fictional, though a lot of the stories are real, yeah. all woven together, just to sort of whet people's appetite for what could be. And once yeah. they get that vision and get that kind of, you know, 
what they say in the Matrix movie that, that Neo <laughs> had that splinter in his mind. He yeah. knew there was more than this world, but he didn't know what it was. But he he was looking, he was looking, he was mm -hmm. looking. So the goal of that book was to plant splinters in people's mind to make them start looking. Yeah. So I guess on that note, you know, when we look at a lot of the societal unrest that's unfolding in our country now, um, I, I think there are both good outlets and also some really harmful ones that people are tapping into. And so if we go, if we, if we try to fill that with a, with a toxic version of the real thing or with a genuine ver a toxic version of the genuine thing, I mean, is it just that people are, are hungry to fill what you're describing and so they'll take a, a hostile or toxic version of that or is there something more going on? Yeah, I'm not even sure some of it's even a version of that. It's just they're, they're lashing out and reacting, again, on both mm -hmm. sides. Both sides feel like there's a different vision of what society should look like. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're each desperately clinging to their side of it. And mm -hmm. I propose there's yet a third vision that neither one of those visions have, have seen. Yeah. So they may have tasted on, on little bitty levels. Uh, yeah. That's just showing people what could be. You know, mm -hmm. when, when uh, Jesus was there with the 12, you have Simon the Zealot who hates the Romans and Matthew the tax collector. Those two mm -hmm. guys are on opposite ends of the political spectrum. One is embracing Rome and working with them. One wants to kill everybody that's working with Rome. And yeah. you, don't, you don't even hear or read dialogue about them being at each other's throats all the time. Something about yeah. a Jesus-centered existence made their two ideologies melt together and not be what they were before. You, know, you could call it, one of them yeah. right from left, but they it disappeared into something larger than themselves. And and so, how would you how would you f um, frame that for us, looking at society and and casting a vision now? In other words, I, I look at our situation in our country and even uh, across the country and even globally, and we we need a vision, and we we are lacking that. Um, and we have a huge challenge ahead of us, and I think we need that vision to over to to overcome the challenge, right? But yeah. there's a vacuum of that vision amongst yeah. our uh, our elected leadership. So, what would you say that vision needs to include? What does it look like? How, yeah. how do we cast that on the on the broader level to the masses? I don't know much to do beyond. Uh, awakening them with things like literature, books, websites, things that have solid, good meaning that can help them. On the personal level, to me, it's a hand-to-hand, eye-to-eye, mouth-to-mouth sort of thing. You mm -hmm. can't, you know, you can't help the whole world, but can you help the person right next to you? you know, yeah. Get involved with them. Can you dialogue? You know, whatever side they're on, can you help them find meaning in their own existence without them having to need to try to find meaning mm -hmm. in the external parts of society, again, on either side? So don't try to change the world, just change the world you're in. Is exactly. What exactly. I mean, you can try to change the world. Again, you can write a book and tell people yeah, yeah. there, but you know, uh, but it's harder to change. really yeah. changes. Like Jesus affected the world by spending three years with 12 guys. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, you know I, I think Oswald Chambers said when Jesus finished everything he'd accomplished, fit in a rowboat. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, he <laughs> yeah. didn't have a mega place with, you know, there were days that there were 5,000 there, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, at the end of the three years, there's, you know, yeah. 12 guys and some ladies. Yeah. Know, 120 in the upper room kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. And then it it it, um, it grew exponentially over the time that followed. 
So how does business intersect with all this and, and, and what does it mean to, to work smarter and, and wiser? And I don't know how they all relate. <laughs> you know, so I answer some <laughs> of your questions uh, um, from a business standpoint and some from a personal standpoint. Uh, working wiser, one of the best things I ever did is information management. Email several years ago just became such a chore. I would get two to 300 emails a day you know, 90% of which I don't need. You know, when you network a lot and hand out your business cards a lot, you inadvertently get added to millions, yeah. <laughs> of, millions of things that you didn't necessarily want to be part of. But yeah, I don't want to miss an important client email in the melee of all that. So this was just a simple solution, but it was an e uh, email thing called Sane Later. Okay. Sane? Sane, yeah. Yeah, like Sane Sanity. Yeah, Sane or Sane Inbox, I think maybe called. There's different folders. One of the folders is called Sane Later, Sane Inbox. <laughs> and it, it, when you download it, it looks at your last 18 months of email history and it sees who you're interacting with. Not did they write you, but did you write back? Okay. And it knows, okay, these are people he wants to inter interact with. And so all those people make it to your inbox. But if you've not, if there's not been exchange between you, it gets put into a folder called Sane Later. Oh, okay. And then, so you can deal with the stuff that's hot with your regular people. Now you've got, to, I still got to look at my saying later because a brand new client that I just met, their yeah. first email is going to be in there. Mm. Uh, but it, it still allows you to. to it's a prioritization it. structure. And it, it exactly. yeah. So, I, you know, 20% of my emails hit my inbox. The other 80% go in this folder and I can deal got with it. them from there. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a simple little. Yeah. So that changed, uh, that changed tool. your, your communication. Yeah, it saved me hours a day, really. And, and what about it is, I mean, you're more efficient, right? But what about that makes it better for you and your business? Uh, well, you got more time to work on your business, but you also have more sanity. I mean, just the mental clutter of sorting through what's important, uh, you know, wears on you <laughs> emotionally, yeah. and psychologically. Yeah. So, well, I, I think, yeah, when it, just thinking of that idea of just having a sane email inbox or inbox zero or just mm -hmm. having control over your inbox. I think that's, uh, that's something I struggled with for a long time. Um, and I know a lot of people as well struggle with it. Uh, in fact, it's probably more rare that people have inbox zero than it yeah. is common. Yeah. Um, but yet it's such a, you know, it's such a big part of our work that to not master that seems, uh, seems harmful. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, it'll, it, it'll wear you out if you don't get a, get a handle on it. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about, you know, that relationship dynamic that you mentioned. So when you think about mentoring or guiding or, you know, helping others um, the way that, you know, as yeah. Jesus tells us to help others the way he helped us, right. To carry that legacy forward. Yeah. What, what do you think about mentoring and, and discipleship and leadership and what does that mean to you and is important and yeah, absolutely. It, to me, it's just an extension of authentic relationships. Like if you've mm -hmm. got real relationships, mentoring is going to be going on. The, the danger I see in sometimes when it happens is it tends to be a one-way street. Mm -hmm. I'm the mentor, you're the mentoree. And while there's truth in that, you know, Paul, the apostle was definitely, you know, um, had more insight, knowledge, maturity than the brand new believers he's reaching out to. But even then, it should always be a two-way street. You know, they, they need to be able to talk mm -hmm. to you and not feel like the understudy all the time. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, they, they need to be authentic with you too. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, my, uh, I 
kind of articulated a mission statement um, for myself and it's kind of evolved over the years and it, it used to be to teach and inspire others and I ended up changing it to to share life and the reason I change it is exactly what you're describing is I said my mission felt too one way yes yeah. I do want to teach and inspire but I also want to receive uh, teaching and inspiration from others yeah. and so the idea for me that share life is it's a two-way street I'm giving and receiving yeah, yeah. and here's here's why I think it's first Corinthians 12 that talks about uh, everybody has a different gift. Everybody has, you know, that, that when you become a believer, there's a piece of Jesus that you have that I don't have. And yeah. I need that piece just as much as you need my piece. Yes. Yeah. So, and we need all of our pieces. None of us have it all together, but yeah. together we have it all. And I think one of the main roadblocks in modern Christianity is the only piece most people get is the pastor, the shepherd, mm. and, it, and it may not even be his gift. Maybe he's a teacher. Maybe he's yeah. either one, but yeah. you know, whatever he is, you're getting that gift, and you're missing all the others. Mm -hmm. He's not a brother amongst brothers. He's the official yeah. weekly speechmaker, and you've got to create a context where everyone gets to experience the Jesus inside of everyone else, and when you do that, the, the growth and maturity becomes exponential because it's the sum is greater than the parts. It mm -hmm. actually is, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way. Would you rather spend three years on a desert island with the Bible? Would you rather <laughs> spend three years on a desert island with Jesus himself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could learn a lot of things with the book and there'd be good things. I'm not knocking that. That's awesome. Uh, but the experience you would have in the interaction on the island <laughs> with Jesus for three years would be, it's not even in the same universe. By that same token, if I'm if I'm devoted to everyone because I see my need for their de what's deposited in them, the treasure and earth and vessels, then I receive that benefit, and the the benefits to me are exponential. You know, yeah, and to them, you know, we're all benefiting yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, I love that because it's. Um, I think uh, uh, in Christianity, culturally, uh, Christianity can be um, it can elevate the Bible to the point where it's you either forget yeah. about Jesus or. Yeah. Jesus gets relegated to second yeah. second fiddle when it's he's the yeah. source uh, of yeah. of what's behind that. And so yeah, I've heard it described uh, as a map. Like if you're in, in Germany and there's a sign that says you know this way to the the bed and breakfast, this way to the hostel. Okay, you don't sleep at the sign. You you follow the information and you go to the place and you check in and you sleep there. The Bible yeah. is the sign. It's pointing which way to go, but it's yeah. not the place you lay down and rest. It's telling you where to go to lay down and rest. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things. One of the things Andy Stanley's uh, taught about that was interesting to me was that the Bible wasn't actually composed as, as the Bible as we know it, the Christian yeah. Bible, um, and for like three or four hundred years after uh, Christ was here. Yeah. So it was an effect. It wasn't the yeah. cause, right? Exactly. Of Christianity. Yeah. yeah. And so that that was really helpful. The other thing is um, when you talk about just the idea that we one recognize our own limitations and our needs that we cannot fill um, or cannot be filled by our own doings our, yeah. our weaknesses pitfalls as well um, it makes me think of our american society specifically because we're such an autonomous nation such an independent nation of individuals kind of doing their own thing and when things are going yeah. well that kind of works out but in the season of crisis um, we recognize how bad we are at working together, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. how much we need each other, but yet how much we don't even trust each other to fill those yeah. needs. So yeah, that, yeah. that comes to mind. 
So anything else you would say on the, on the topic of uh, mentoring or teaching or guiding? Uh, no, I think that's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about stories. Okay. So whether they're fictional or real, um, they shape us. We love them. Yep. We watch yep. them. We read them. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. We, we listen to them. So what are some stories that have shaped you as a person? Yeah. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is that book I mentioned that I read 30 something years ago, uh, Revolution, the Early Church. And yeah. it was just a retelling in kind of story form how the of first the century church emerged, just the whole thing from the day of Pentecost forward. And it just, it just painted a picture of life and connection that, that I was drawn to. Yeah. Uh, more recently, there are a couple movies that have stuck out to me is a movie called The Truman Show, which I'm sure you've seen, and The yeah. Matrix. And they're very similar. Um, they both, they both, sh uh, that pa basically people accept the world that's presented to them and don't look beyond the surface. Truman mm -hmm. is trapped in a television mm -hmm. set living in existence without, but there's yeah. something that bothers him. Something doesn't add up and he finally pushes the limits and, you know, goes in the boat through the storm to the edge. And then same thing in the matrix. Neo's like, you know, he just, he doesn't buy the world that's been presented to him. That's handed to him. Yeah. Uh, and looks beyond. And, um, there's so a system. Both of those are great analogies. Yeah, because so. in both cases, there's a there's a system that that we're playing inside of, yeah. and and there's a point when we mature, I guess, where we mature enough to the point where we recognize that system, and then we can choose to what degree we allow that to influence us. Yeah. And we're not necessarily there's an aspect of it like a fate, you know, like I'm just I, my or my or a predestination in the sense of like I'm just. I'm on a boat floating this way. And, and there is some of that that you, th that exists, yeah. but there is some agency that we have in that boat. Right. <laughs> so I don't know how, how, what, yeah. uh, when you were those stories that resonated with you when you saw them or were they re ones that resonated with you later? And then you looked back at them. Um, no, the, both those movies, I, I had already, uh, I was already far enough along in my progression that they were just analogies and ways to, ways to show other people what I've been trying to talk about, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. you know, but there's a, there's a, a line out of an A.W. Tozier book that's really got, it's really heady in its wording. It's, it's called The Intrusive Ubiquity of Visible Things. Okay. Um, and it, it's really about setting your mind on things above, but that intrusive ubiquity, basically what he goes on to say is, you're supposed to set your mind, you know, focused on things that are invisible, not the, not the visible, not the here and now, but what's beyond. But you wake up every day and the here and now is what's in your face. You got bills, yeah. you got work, you got children crying, you've got medical mm -hmm. issues, you've got stuff. And it's it's intrusive, the intrusive ubiquity. Ubiquity means it's everywhere. The visible world is assaulting our senses. Mm -hmm. And the invisible world, not so much. You know, yeah. those are gentle whispers and things you gotta, you know, yeah. Catch glimpses that, of. And it's yeah, it's a priority you have to make. Tozier also said every man chooses his world. So to choose that other world is a conscious step. And you've got to look past, you know, what's going on, and it's hard. Yeah, and uh, I I wrote a parable called the Island Story, and and there are these four characters that are these distractions, you know, the shark, the clownfish, the turtle, and the swordfish, and and okay. uh, and and they they distract us in different ways. One is the shark is, to, you know, distracts us through provision and being taken care of. Um, the clownfish distracts us through pleasure and fun. The turtle distracts us with significance and meaning, yeah. and then the the swordfish distracts us with goals and achievements. 
And so, uh, yeah. so yeah, it's just that same kind of, the of, of, the, of the soils. You got the, you know, all the soils in the rocky soil and the thorny soil and all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, the modern reader. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, lots of, and you know, Jesus used all these stories and parables to connect with people. And, and I guess that'd be an interesting thing to, to ask you is I think we're in it, we're in a world or in a season or an era that, um, some would call it the post truth era, you know, Mm-hmm. I don't, even if it's true, I don't like what that means. Yeah. So I'm going to choose something else or I'm going to ignore that or whatever it is. We're sort of in sort of yeah. declining reality as it is. Yeah. yeah. And so and people, people have been saying that for a while. I think Francis Schaeffer in the 1960s said that we're living in the post-Christian era, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, that's. And maybe, maybe it's more cyclical yeah. then. Yeah, but the, or, but or it, we're still just on the bottom. The roller coasters still been going oh, down. Since we're, the, yeah, the the end we're of that. We're getting close trip. to the bottom, so maybe we go up from here. So, but I but there is something about story that can pierce through that shield or that guard yep. um, to connect with the people that may shun a truth that they're not interested in or they're pushing back on. What, what yep. would you say to that idea? Oh yeah, stories help people put feet on things that they have felt, uh, like the 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 book that we worked on. We would get letters from all over the world saying, "I felt a certain way for a long time, but you put words on it. Like you're you're describing my life, and you don't even know me. Like mm-hmm. it, it helps people connect uh, yeah. with what they've already felt and known. And and then with that connection, what can happen after that? What's the benefit of that connection? Yeah, they can get a vision and they can begin to walk it out in their their sphere of relationships. Yeah. Hmm. If they want, then it's just another philosophy yeah. in their head. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and do them any good. Yeah. So there's stories. The other hugely influential piece of uh, the puzzle in terms of humanity is systems. We create them, we're shaped by them, we participate in them. You know, what do you yeah. think about systems and how do you use them and how do you interact with them? Yeah. I didn't know everything he meant by systems when I was reviewing the, the questions, but uh, on the business side, I would consider things like Chambers of Commerce a system. That's yeah. a system for me to engage other business owners that's different than cold calling at their door saying, hey, I'm Nick, I'm a printer. It, it gives you a context to build relationships in a business sense, a business community where, hey, I need a web guy. Hey, I need an insurance agent. Hey, I need this. You're all kind of coming together and it's not selling to the room but it's getting to know the room so it's a it's a system uh, I, I would think uh, yeah. on the on the personal side there's websites there's apps there's things like that i'm not sure beyond there there's a there's a, a, a web app that i'm on pretty much every day called jesus life together that's the name okay. of the of the app and it's free in the apple store and it's got you know how oswald chamber has that daily little thought mm-hmm. it's got a daily it's got a today page where there's something so okay. i read the today page Almost first thing I do every morning is read that today yeah. page. But beyond there, there's all sorts of things mm-hmm. on there. Free music, Christian music that that has some depth to it, not just sort of yeah. pop, get excited music, but music that with lyrics that make you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some free audio books that are on there. Uh, the book that there's not an audio book of of the one that I help write on there, uh, but there is the PDF of it is on there. It's on that you can get that from that app as well. Uh, yeah. And other books that guys that you know guys I know and the guys I don't know have written there on there, uh, so that's a it's a great it's a great tool. I love it. So. Yeah, that's cool. Anything else you would uh, say about systems or how they 
how they've helped you or, 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 or when does a system become tyrannical? When does it become a problem system? Um, yeah, when you start getting, when you start mixing systems in a spiritual world, I think they're mostly meant for the business and civic world. There's governments and order and that kind of thing. But when it becomes ecclesiastical and there's an ecclesiastical hierarchy, I think you're headed for trouble <laughs> somewhere or another. Yeah. Spanish inquisitions follow. Oh that, yeah. In terms of when of, the state integrates with the church. In a, yeah. Or yeah. when the, or when the church functions like the state, uh, as a, almost a political entity, uh, mm -hmm. a hierarchical entity. Yeah, then it becomes vulnerable to the same corruption that, yeah. that, yeah. Power corrupts, absolutely. Power corrupts, absolutely. Yeah. It versus so, Jesus' model of you have one teacher and you are all brothers. Mm -hmm. you know, brothers you know, there's no big, there's yeah. no big shots. You have one teacher, that's, that's him, and you are all brothers. If if that's kind of our baseline, we're okay. That doesn't mean there aren't gifts and those gifts are prominent, mm -hmm. uh, but- But we're, we're not superior or inferior to each other. Yeah. Is, I think what you're yeah. trying to say, right? Yeah, in, in fact, there's a verse that says, call no man teacher, call no man father, call no man rabbi. And that's Jesus telling his people not to do this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know hardly of a religious body on earth that ever talks about that, what that means, because uh, <laughs> they, they all do it. Like he's yeah. the guy who started this saying, don't do this. Don't call people <laughs> teacher or rabbi or whatever. And they all do it anyway, as if he's not in charge. So you have yeah, I, I had that same gift of teacher, but yeah. you have one teacher and you're all brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I guess, what would you say is the reason he gave that? It, was it simply to, to mitigate against our pride or to prevent yeah. us from and, being and corruption? Titles are a place to hide behind. You know, mm. having the gift of teacher is great. Having everyone call me teacher, that that does something mm. to me that's unhealthy. Having the gift of teacher, teacher is wonderful because as as a piece of Jesus in the midst, as a yeah. brother amongst brothers. But anytime there's a pedestal, pedestals harm the person on it and they harm everyone else. Yeah, and I I think sometimes even if like to your point. If, if someone puts us on a pedestal, um, it can cause problems. And so in, in my journey and in my past, I've like intentionally knocked down that pedestal, yeah. my own pedestal, because I don't want to be, I don't want people to think I'm something that I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I want them to recognize that I'm just as fallible as anyone else. Yeah. And if you in. can articulate things well, if you're a good speaker, all of a sudden you're considered super spiritual when your ability to articulate 1 Corinthians 13 about love doesn't mean you have any of it. It just means you're a good mm -hmm. talker. You understand things well and you can talk, but your relationship with your wife, your relationship with mm -hmm. your children, those are the indications of whether you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And we should, and we should, we should judge the character of someone based on those, not how charismatic they are. And I think, yeah, and we shouldn't uh, damage them. Like in most settings, the guy gives his sermon, pours his heart out or whatever, goes to the back door, and shakes a thousand people's hands that pat him on the back and say, great job, great job, great job. He, he doesn't need that. That's unhealthy for him. He needs to be a brother amongst brothers because that's going to damage him. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these religious leaders that have fallen in the media have fallen because they're susceptible to that pedestal and it's going to eat them from the inside out eventually. Yeah. And then there's a facade that they feel they, at least some of them feel they have to maintain yeah. and they maintain it at all costs, which then leads to other issues. And 
exactly. secrets and yeah, all those gets complicated. Yeah. So yeah, they can't yeah. be honest with their failings that day with, you know, snapping at their wife or whatever, because mm -hmm. they're the grand poobah. They're the, the well, and that's why I think it's man. important, like from the beginning in terms of being a leader or leading others to, to, to be vulnerable that way from the beginning to hey, Lead I in vulnerability up. too. Yeah. That way I don't set a precedent that I've been all, I've been amazing and now I've screwed up and I can't tell anyone because I've told everyone how amazing I am. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what, what else would you say? Uh, anything that you wanted to share that we didn't get to or that we missed? Um, I've done most of it. Uh, um, again that that app is free jesus life together you can get it on the apple store i don't know if there's other google play stores i don't know i don't even know what all the stores are out yeah. there yeah uh, but i know it's on the apple store and i think others but it's it's a wonderful app so it, okay. it'll, now do you goes so, beyond what i have yeah do you when you read um so like the bible or or other mm -hmm. things do you tend to read it physically or digitally i mean the app you obviously yeah. read those digitally but in terms of uh, the actual bible do you do you do one more audibly than anything else okay. i'm in the car a lot so i do a lot of or books listen. on tape or listen to the bible on tape uh, yeah. so i probably hear a lot more than i physically physically okay read. yeah One of the best books of the last few years was dietrich bonhoeffer's biography by eric metaxas just a phenomenal book and it okay. parallels the, you know it's, it's basically he's uh, he's a christian leader in germany as hitler comes to power so you mm. kind of see the whole thing and then the chaos and all of that, it's, it's, it's eerily similar to our day. And 90% of what was Christian in Germany, you know, from Luther's heritage and everything just collapses under the weight of, you know, Nazi Germany. It, it, it yeah. doesn't stand the test of time because it doesn't have any root. And 90% mm. of it's gone. But you kind of see Dietrich and others uh, push through it in a way that's incredibly mm -hmm. inspirational. So essentially the, the bad stuff is purged and the good stuff stuck, st st stood the test of time. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it was purged yeah. actually, literally. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Although that's of, not, uh, I guess not always. went along with it and, you know, became part of Hitler's church. You know, Hitler's uh, allowed okay. to be, well, it, can, it can still be Christianity as long as you worship me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we will. So, okay, well, and that's, um, you know, right, we're going back to, you know, like Daniel and, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You know, you yeah. can keep doing that, yeah. and then yeah. and then it kind of flipped. But uh, any parting words of wisdom that you would share with us before we wrap up here? Um, start today. You know, start make make one relationship more authentic than it was yesterday. Be real with somebody, whether that's opening up your heart, whether that's talking to them about something that's that's been troubling you. You know, something in a business relationship seems a little shady or something. Just mm -hmm. be real and open and honest. Not not coming down on somebody and beating them up, but being authentic, being real. Yeah. Truth is aletheia, reality. You know, mm -hmm. what's, what's real? Talk about what's real. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, how can people connect with you, um, your business, you as a person on social media, yeah. your book? LinkedIn is really the only thing I'm, I'm on. I'm not really a Facebook guy. I'm more of a B2B okay. guy. So LinkedIn kind of fits that mold better. Yeah. Uh, and it fits my personality better. Facebook, you know, I don't care what your cat had for, cat had for dinner. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or the political rantings and ravings. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's either got nonsense or hatred. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, so. I like and then, and then you're, do you, have, do you have a website uh, that you yeah. recommend? Nickprint.com, www.nickprint.com. And then 
you Google Nick Prine and Nick Bryan or, or put that in LinkedIn, you'll find me there too. Okay, cool. Any, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up here? Thanks for your time. Enjoy talking with you. Cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing your life and uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Jason. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Thank you.